Good day, everyone. My name is Stefan Petrodius, the Chief Technology Officer for WPP, and it is my pleasure today to welcome you to WPP's Metaverse and More Academy podcast, where we'll be discussing a wide range of Metaverse and Web3 related topics with experts from the WPP network and special guests from the industry at large. As we cover both established concepts and track new developments in the space, we hope this series is informational and inspirational. Thank you for coming on the journey with us. Please sit back and enjoy another exciting discussion about the metaverse and more. Hello and welcome to another episode of WPP's Metaverse and More Academy podcast series, where we cover topics about and related to the metaverse and Web3. I am your host today, James Harris, Global Planning and Strategy Director at WPP. In this episode, we'll be discussing all things related to the topic of cryptocurrency. And if you're not familiar with the topic, may I suggest that you listen to the first episode from series one entitled Gold, Greed and Good, which provides a great introduction to the topic. As always, with our conversations regarding cryptocurrency, none of what you will hear us say today should ever be considered financial advice. And it goes without saying that crypto is a fast moving and evolving space that remains one of fast change and high risk. So in today's episode, we'll be discussing the evolution of crypto. Was it just a fad or does it have a real viable future and purpose? And with that, I would like to introduce our guest for today, Ivan, who joins us all the way from Australia. Um, I'll let Ivan introduce himself fully, but he is a recognized expert and, and a social commentator on crypto, as well as being an entrepreneur and also, I believe, a very keen amateur racing driver. So it's my pleasure to have you join us today, Ivan. And with that, and maybe get you just a little bit of an introduction to yourself, your crypto journey. And also, I'm really interested to understand why you have the social media handle of the crypto serpent. It's very intriguing to me. Thanks, for Thanks, and Thank you. Um, thank you so much for, for having me today on the show. Really, really um, excited to be here with you guys. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I have had uh, quite a journey in, in, in the crypto world. I started uh, as a, um, as a, just a, like a, a regular person, you know, just buying a crypto because I was with a friend September, 2020 in a, in a club. He said, Hey, do you know anything about crypto? And then that led to a four hour conversation and the rest is history. I took action immediately, started buying and just holding. And then March, 2021, a friend of mine came to me, and said, you be great on TikTok. Talk about the stoppage. And I thought, no, 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 I run a marketing agency. I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't dance. Uh, why would I go on TikTok? Um, but I was early for a meeting and um, I said to myself, let's make a video. You know, here's my top three uh, cryptos that I think you guys should check out. Walked away, came back the next day and had 400 followers. And it was that day that I decided to commit that I was going to post every single day at least one YouTube video, which for the first year I did 365 days at a minimum of one YouTube video. It didn't matter if I was sick, healthy, on holiday or wherever, there was always a, a Crypto Serpent video that was posted on YouTube, plus many, many more on, on, on TikTok. So that's how the serpent uh, came about. You know, in, in Italian, we, we say when someone quite clever, you know, quite cluey, we call them a serpente. Uh, and so right. that's how the serpent name came about. Um, this year is also my 20th year of uh, racing amateurly. So state level, national level, um, I say amateur because I'm not paid, right? So 
I also, you know, like to call it amateur, semi-pro, you know, wannabe race car driver. Exactly. I think we share we share that passion, Ivan. Definitely. Um, but uh, and for, for the purposes of the of your listeners, Ivan actually has a lot more than four four hundred um, followers now. He has many thousands, if not millions. Um, so we're so delighted to have you join us today, Ivan. So to kick off, I wanted to just get your perspective because if if we step back maybe twelve months or a little bit further. Um, people were constantly ringing me up and asking me to come and talk to them about cryptocurrency. They were super excited. It was in all the news. Um, at the moment, it's kind of the opposite, right? And I hear a lot of people are basically saying, oh, crypto is a fad. Crypto is dead. You know, it was, it was this thing, but it was a bubble. So I'd, I'd just like to get your perspective when people say that, you know, what's your response to that? Is, is crypto dead or is crypto dead? Long live crypto. I think it's um I think it's a fascinating question that you had, and it's a question that I receive on a daily basis. And the question, when people ask, they genuinely do believe what they're saying is, you know, is it dead? And because they're looking at only one factor, and that is the price. So those out there that are saying it's dead, it's finished, it's done, what they're doing is they're looking at their portfolio and they cry because in November. 2021, everybody, everybody was talking about crypto. Now nobody talks about crypto. Um, it's very easy for me to make this statement because my YouTube views have gone down 85%. And it's not because of a lack of quality control, but it's because the entire industry's YouTube search has gone down by 85%. And it will be down until, you know, until Bitcoin and the rest of the crypto start pumping and people start claiming that they're making money again, it will be dead, you know. Unfortunately, uh, history doesn't always repeat itself, but sometimes it rhyme. And the main issue that I have at the moment in the industry is that people are really going to miss out the time. Really going to miss out. It's going to hurt them real bad. The time to do research, the time to understand this blockchain technology, the time to understand Web3 and crypto is now. But right now, everybody's sleeping because it's not exciting right now. People aren't making money right now. And so people think it's no good. It's dead. Why should I care? I'll come back when it starts to go up again. That's the mentality that everybody has. I encourage the listeners to please research understand what is being built. More importantly, understand the solution that entrepreneurs are creating, utilizing this technology. Stay away from jargon. Stay away from terms, terminology. We use our iPhones, Android devices every single day. We do not talk about the processing chip. We do not talk about the iOS stores backend. We use Netflix. We don't talk about the JavaScript used to give us the service that we watch every single night. The terminologies will fade and solutions will be the answer moving forward. So Riverside software has an issue or has a challenge currently in the way that it's running its business. Blockchain has a solution or maybe NFTs have a solution, an entrepreneur comes and says, I can build you a solution to your problem. This is just simply the technology that I'm going to use to do it. And if you are in doubt about the future, go to local events where people that are building stuff are there 
and they are excited. They are super pumped about what is going on. You don't hear any hesitation. What you see is people pouring in time, their livelihood, their families' futures on the line, their investors' money on the line, their VC back to venture capitalist fund on the line. And they do with a big smile on their face saying, you know, these are the problems that we're looking to solve. These are the solutions that we're creating for the future. So when in doubt about blockchain, about Web3, about entrepreneurship, you should question the room that you're in, not the technology, the market. I mean, you know, don't, don't watch the news, right? Because the news is always negative. Um, hang out with positive people. It's interesting because people get so many cues from the news, you know, because it's, it's in front of them, but they don't look by the curtain. And I think, you know, for me, that I share your, your perspective on that. It's, it's looking at what's actually being done with it. A lot of the problems that are being solved, I think, are, are super, you know, super powerful. Um, just for the benefit of the listeners, Riverside is the platform we're recording the podcast on. If you were wondering, it's not a, a new cryptocurrency, but it's a, it's a fantastic podcast platform if you want to take a look yourselves. Um, Ivan, I wanted to just, building on what you've said, I wanted to ask you a, a question related to that, because I think, you know, when I wrote a book on this subject back in um, 2021, I called the book Gold, Greed and Good. And it was very much, uh, you know, the story was that we we kind of emerged with um, Bitcoin around gold. We were in the middle of what I called the greed phase, which was the, you know, the kind of bubble, everybody getting very excited. You know, the today I buy some crypto, tomorrow I get a Lamborghini. Um, and, you know, the third stage I was sort of predicting was this idea that we would emerge from that, the bubble would burst, but we would end up into uh, what I called the good phase where, you know, what you're talking about there becomes, you know, the reality that blockchain solves a lot of the world problems. One thing that I didn't necessarily see when I was looking at that was the the damage or the, the trust problem that would emerge. So I'm, I'm just interested to get your perspective that, you know, how... As an industry, does crypto rebuild that trust? Because I think, you know, things like FTX, all of the stuff that's it, that's been in the media has created this real negativity, this real problem. And I think a lot of people struggle in, in, in that to get themselves, you know, reconciled that it is actually something that can have trust. So I'd love your view on how do you think as an industry, crypto tackles that major problem? I think uh, there is a huge hole that has been created and it's going to take time to, to rebuild that trust. It's not going to be a bad, you know, not going to be an overnight thing, you know, when people lose their livelihood, their, all their funds. And, you know, you hear that, uh, you know, the firm operating the second biggest exchange in the world didn't have an accounting firm. You know, there's just a lot of trust that has been broken. Um, how do we rebuild it? Yeah, well. The 90s dot com era, not that I was old enough to, you know, go through it myself and experience it, but um, the same similar thing happened, right? A lot of dodgy companies got crazy valuations and then exploded. Three to four came out on top and we all use them today. Amazon, Google, uh, Microsoft, you know, like, you know, we can, we can count on our hand how many companies from the dot-com era survived and thrived and moved on. What can I say? Um, Amazon at its peak of the dot-com era was sitting, hovering around $120 per share, went all the way down to $6 per share. 
but the company itself was getting better and better and better. I would say that the industry really, really needs to focus on um, legal clarity, which we know Ripple um, is fighting a monster of a lawsuit against the SEC, a billion dollar case, $120 million deep in legal fees so far to fight for legal clarity. You know, when legal clarity and institutional money comes in, it will be boring because we're not going to have meme coins that just pump into, you know, the stratosphere. We're not going to have 10,000 NFT penguins that people buy. But what we will have is we will have a stable, solid runway that the industry can grow to become an asset to the world, not a liability. At the moment, the industry is a liability. At the moment, you struggle to find a good one. You find 95 bad to find five good. And we can't continue this way. Otherwise, the whole thing is going to collapse. Yeah. No, I think it's a, I, I very much agree with that perspective. I think, you know, it's a lot of people still have this utopian view of decentralization, decentralized control. But I think for me, there's an element where you need that centralized control in terms of the companies be it you have the decentralized, you know, mechanisms, because otherwise it's it's impossible for companies to be able to build that trust, build that longevity. Um, with that in mind, I just wanted to take a, a tiny detour and ask you about um, something which I think maybe we disagree on, I don't know, but um, is the Pulse Chain uh, launch. So for the benefit of the, um, the listeners, Pulse Chain was a new um, a blockchain which was launched this year by... Let's call him the mercurial Richard Hart. If you don't know who Richard Hart is, Google him. Very interesting guy. Very, very blingy, very opinionated. Um, he founded the controversial Hex cryptocurrency previously. Now, I know you've been very vocal and negative on this one, Ivan. Um, I'm sort of on the fence with, with Pulse Chain. I, I think there may be a role for it. But I just wanted to understand, you know, why, why you have that opinion. And do you think because there's a problem with trust or there, there's a problem with, you know, it not, it not fitting into that new world model. I think we, look, I think we have to give credit to Hex and Pulse for the noise that they've been able to create in the market and also give credit to him for being uh, the face of the project and, and being out there and not being afraid to say that everybody's wrong and he's right. And, you know, he, he himself has big opinions, right? But I think all entrepreneurs that are very um, passionate and motivated uh, have big opinions. And I'm always very happy to, to be corrected and challenged. And, you know, if my opinion is uh, wrong or, you know, if, if there is evidence that what I'm saying is, you know, it can be changed. I'm very open about that, you know, like enough. I've done it before, even live on, on my channel. Because at the end of the day, there's nothing that everybody needs to understand about influencers and people in the industry that, which are thought leaders is that it is our opinion, our opinion only. At the end of the day, we are human. And by being human, we can make mistakes. It's just a, a matter of um, sometimes owning up to them. Now, Paul Shane, what triggered me is that there were reports that I saw about on-chain data and claiming to have 
surpassed Binance in volume on a particular day or I believe on launch day. I'm not too, don't quote me on the exact time frame, but there were researchers on on-chain data that showed that the data was being manipulated. That's what started me saying, well, hang on a minute. You've got an army of followers of this person going out there saying we've just out, you know, we, we've outranked Binance on volume or, or on-chain data, blah, blah, blah. And that can be quite dangerous because we don't want to repeat off FTX. That's where my, in, in my, my, my issue started, you know, like if there is, if there is being, if the data is being manipulated and people are buying and purchasing and promoting it based on that data and somehow that data is being manipulated, then I have a big problem because that's not how a, a long-term brand is built. Now, the reports that I've read, could they have been wrong or biased or untrue? Eventually, to me, to me, it checked out and it looked to the very much like the on-chain volume was being manipulated. Yeah. No, I think, I think, I mean, what, what I would definitely say is I, I think the whole launch was a bit of a disaster once it, it kind of hit the street. And I think, I think you may well be right. I think there was so much social media commentary and noise and so many self-proclaimed experts diving in that I think a, a lot of the reality got lost in it. I, I think my, my perspective is just, I'm fascinated of whether it can be a, a potential alternative to um, Ethereum, which is obviously what they've basically done is create a copy of Ethereum, because I think Ethereum obviously has switched over now to a to to a, a proof of stake model, but it still has problems with capacity with cost. So, you know, my my perspective on Pulse Chain was I I thought it was an interesting experiment, but I still very much see it as an experiment, and I I'm you know I'm to be convinced either way. So it's interesting to to get that that perspective from you. Um, with that in mind, I want to move away from 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 that kind of crypto, that sort of more speculative one. And I wanted to just get your point of view on um, what are called the ISO 222 cryptos. So for the benefit of our, our listeners, um, these are cryptos that are compliant with a new messaging protocol that is being used by financial institutions. And also sort of building on that around the emergence of CDBCs. So central bank digital currencies, um, which effectively are, are, you know, things like the digital pound that you've probably heard talked about in the UK, the digital dollar. So Ivan, I just wanted to understand, you know, do you think that a lot of the the future will be around those tokens? Because you talked earlier about the dot-com days, and sadly, I'm old enough to have lived through that. And you're entirely right. There was three or four players that emerged amongst all the other ones that disappeared, like pets.com, et cetera. Uh, there's a fascinating documentary I saw recently showing all of those businesses that, that you talked about that disappeared. Um, do you think it's going to be a similar thing with crypto and that it's going to be the ISO tokens that emerge victorious? I think the fact that the bank and the large institution have come up with this uh, name the system um i think it's very very positive because they they clearly see a runway where they can benefit from blockchain and 
still maintain what they want to maintain, which is ultimately centralized uh, control to some degree. At the end of the day, the, the people that believe that banks are going to be obsolete and, you know, everything is going to be run through blockchain and all the banks are going to go bankrupt, I think live in La La Land. Sure, the, the great scary tale and story about decentralization and the banks will be obsolete, but that's just simply the world will not la- like the world leaders will not allow that to happen. You know, um, I think ISO 20022 solves a lot of legacy problems. I think when people start to research, and again, it goes back to research. If you research how retro uh, the banking systems are at the moment and how retro their DOS softwares are, I'm not even kidding, they're DOS. No mouse, 80 style systems, you would cry. You know, you would be like, no, there is no way my bank that is so professional and their logo is so great and I'm, and I, I trust my bank. If you found out how 80s, 1980s their systems are, it cannot continue. ISO 20022 does allow uh, instant and faster movement of money. Also not relying on money necessarily having to already be at that bank in order to transact with it. Um, on-demand liquidity is something that obviously Ripple are pushing for. Quant as an overledger are looking to connect everything. They just want to connect the, everything to everybody. But I, I feel very good about the ISO 20022 uh, uh, projects and, and coins within that, within that is because it's been run by the elites. And so for me, it just makes sense that I see them having a very good future, put it this way. CBDCs is a different topic. Do I believe we can stop it from happening? No. Do I agree with it? No, I don't agree. But what is the alternative? You know, we can't fight it, right? So there are people out there that are like, no, I'm not going to support ISO 20022 projects because, you know, uh, if I have a different political view, my bank account is going to be switched off. Like, that's the problem that people are having with CBDCs is the level of control and the ability to instantly alter, switch, put expiry dates on money. There's a lot of stuff that people really should learn and um, research about, which the Bitcoin MACDs love. You know, they're like, come to us. We're independent. We are not with any money. You know, you can be, you know, you can have Bitcoin on your ledger and you are decentralized from everything and everybody. So that's very interesting. You know, it's very, very interesting. Um, I see a very bright future for ISO 20022 projects. Um, I see CBDCs coming along whether we like it or not. What can I say? It's, um, it's going to be an interesting time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I very much agree. I, I think on the, you know, your points on the ISO tokens is I, I think, you know, to go back to the earlier conversation we had around trust, right? I think that's the way that, that trust gets built because you, you mentioned a couple of, um, companies there, Ripple and, um, you know, QNT, which is the, the token for Quant. And I think, you know, we, we talked about those in our previous episode, uh, um, on this series, but they're run by what I call growing ups, right? They're proper businesses. They have central points of contact. They have the, for me, they have the trust, right? So I think that is really important. But I, I also agree with you on the um, central bank currencies. I think there's a level of control and data um, access, which is quite worrying in the sense that if your money is is observed, it is a digital thing. I think it, it, it opens up so many other questions that I, that I guess maybe 
we haven't thought through. So I guess to, to ask you the question, you know, do you think that those central bank digital currencies will just steamroller or do you think there will be a point where they don't necessarily succeed and people will will want to transact with things like um, ISO tokens, you know, which are effectively not controlled by a single government entity? I think the 22,000 plus tokens that we currently have live on the market, uh, I think will go down to, if we're lucky, 500. You know, yeah. I think my, uh, there's a lot of coins out there that claim that their project has some form of Web3 blockchain component to their business, but they're really just a regular business with a token. And so all of that stuff will just be wiped out. Yeah. It will be a lot harder for your project to have the stamp of approval that you have real utility utilizing blockchain for a reason. And that's why your V chains, your HBARs, your ripples, they have utility. People are already using it. Uh, banks are already using it. You know, like, um, you know, V chain and it's uh, how it operates, uh, you know, it's uh, spectacular. Um, it's not very exciting at the moment, right? Because the, the, the token is, you know, there's not much movement. But again, you know, working with large organizations, working with governments of San Marino, and they're the kind of things you want to look at. So I would, as a listener, go look for really boring projects that have extremely well, very good utility and also green, because green is going to be a major factor in coming in the future policies that governments will bring in. If your blockchain is green, great. If it's not, big problem. It's interesting you mentioned VeChain, actually, because I think one of the projects that they're involved in is um, a project called Resi. I think it's called Resi, where they're actually using it to clean up ocean plastics. So if you want to go and have a look at that, um, the listeners go and Google Resi. But it's fascinating. It's the use of that to to basically reward people to get them to pull plastics out of the ocean in, in around the world. Now, to, to, I, to your point, Ivan, I think that's fascinating, right? There's real utility there, and there's also those green credentials. So I think it's it's interesting when you you start to look. It's the non let's use the word the non sexy cryptos that are are the ones with the real utility, and I think that is uh, you know for me is where the future is, but. I, that does prompt a very interesting question, Ivan, which I'm going to ask you is meme coins or meme cryptos. So for our listeners, um, these are, you know, historically they were things like Shiba Inu, Dogcoin. I think this year we saw Pepe coin emerge. You know, do you think there's any role or should there be any role, Ivan, for those in the world of crypto or should we just completely stop doing meme coins? Uh, they cause more problems than, than they solve. And it, it, it sets the industry back six months every time one of these rolls out and launches and, you know, 1% make money and everyone else uh, loses money. Um, they are very, very well cleverly designed as a digital marketer. I am always fascinated about their marketing strategy and how they roll out and create buzz and create noise and really utilize their marketing budget well. I would say that people that start successful meme coin projects are experts, digital marketers that know exactly what they're doing, um, create a cult of people that believe in whatever it is that the meme coin claims to do 
and just really, really aggressively market and hype, hype galore. There are a lot of lessons that crypto projects, companies can learn from the launch of these meme coins um, on how to market and how to get your project out there really, really fast and get everybody talking. But they are money laundering machines as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you on that. I think they're a masterclass in digital marketing, some of them. But then I think when you, you look at the, the substance, there is no substance, right? I think Pepe would be a great example. Um, and I, I, my personal perspective is I think, yeah, we need to get beyond that because otherwise we'll never build that trust, right? We'll never build the, the utility that, that we're looking for, which is hopefully what we're starting to get to with the idea of this, you know, the good, the good coming to the front in crypto. Um, I have to ask you, um, I guess, related to that, what's your point of view on Bitcoin, right? So I still run into many Bitcoin maxis, as we call them, who, who don't believe that there's any future beyond Bitcoin, that it, it is Bitcoin. My, my view is that Bitcoin is, has a role as a store of value, but it, it's not a transactional um, platform in the future. But I'd love to hear what you think about Bitcoin and does it have a future or, or could it disappear, which is what I read somebody had said yesterday. I think Bitcoin is one uh, major hack away from having some serious problems. It has been uh, classified as a store of value that will only ever be 21 million. Therefore, we have 7 billion people on earth. It's only a matter of time until it goes up. It's only a matter of time if it never gets hacked. But hackers and long-term computing is getting better and better and better. What happened the day that it does get hacked? Because I, I believe it's a matter of when, not if. It is the first, it's the most common search. It's the most well-known. It is the one that, like you said, people, people would put their houses on it. Um, to be the future of this industry, it's obsolete, it's slow, it, um, it cannot run anything practically when millions and millions of people are going to try to use it every single day. Therefore, okay, we're going to use it as just a store of wealth. Sure. If it never gets hacked, it will have a beautiful future. The day that it gets hacked, you'll watch people disappear watch their accounts just drain out and, and take it somewhere else immediately because the minute that this fortress it's um you know like that famous uh there was a famous uh jail that alcatraz you know like you know the one yeah you know the, uh, you know you cannot you know no one has ever broken free of this place and then it did yeah you know so they're my concerns um should Everything continue to go well for it. It will go up. It, it you know, I mean, it's uh, just a matter of time. Will it be always number one? No. I do not believe Bitcoin will always be number one. And I believe that there will be many projects which will break free from the Bitcoin trend. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And I think actually it, it, that's got to happen, right? For the industry to move forward, for crypto to be or we want it to be, um, and blockchain technology, it has to get beyond that. I think you're entirely right. I think with the emergence of AI, quantum computing, there's an inherent risk because, again, that lack of you know, central control, I think, is, is, is its problem. Um, just wanted to ask you very quickly uh, related to that, because a lot of our listeners will probably be um, either fans or holders of Ethereum. Now, Ethereum has been through a lot of 
a lot of change in the last 12 to 18 months. It's evolved itself to a proof of stake model. Um, I sometimes like Ethereum and sometimes I don't. I just wondered where, where do you stand on Ethereum? Do you think it's a future fit or do you think it will be replaced? It will disappear. Um, and again, a bit like Bitcoin, it will be around, but it won't really have that, that role, which it does have at the moment. It's obviously the, the main platform for things like NFTs at the present. I think it's got uh, a similar story to the Nokia 3310. <laughs> Great phone, mate. <laughs> Great phone. Yeah. You know, It's super yeah. reliable. You could chuck it off a second yeah. fuel and it'd still be around. I think it will be over. I, look, we can only speculate. Um, I don't see the day that it becomes uh, this thing that it needs to become to continue existing in this capacity of number two. I believe somebody else will take number two. Yeah. No, I, I, again, I think it's a very interesting perspective. I love the analogy there to the, to the Nokia phone. It's, yeah, it's reliable. It's indestructible. But, you know, I, I worked many years ago on the Nokia account and it was Nokia dominated everything. I think there was a Time magazine cover which said, who, who can dethrone the king? Um, and I, I, I lived through that journey. Yeah, and people claim loyalty, say, no, 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 I will always be with Ethereum. Same with Nokia. Everybody said, I, I love Nokia, love the brand, love what they stand for, love all their devices. Ooh, Apple, Apple, boom. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, loyalty is only there when it's apples for apples. You know, the minute one offers way more value than the other one, people switch. No, I think, I think, I think you could well be right. I think it's a, it's a very interesting token but i think again it suffers from the i think in crypto the first mover advantage can sometimes be a challenge because the technology is moving so quickly um i guess you know you said you can't predict the future so I, i'm not going to ask you to do that but what i would love to hear is sort of to to wrap up really what what are your predictions for the next sort of 18 to 24 months so you know what do you think we're going to see are there any big trends, things to watch out for that our listeners can can sort of look at and go, we were right or we were wrong after after they've listened to this? I think we will, in the next 18 months, we will see the Ripple case uh, finish. We will finally have some kind of legal framework. I, I really do hope that we're not here 18 months from now, you and I, having another episode, <laughs> deal with the industry, not having a better legal framework than it does today. I think we all we need to do is look at countries like Japan, the UAE, how they're incorporating into their everyday lives and how much they're investing in this technology to be the future of their countries. And to the listeners, like I said, it's important to read up about things that you're passionate about and also look for opportunities. You know, like there is, there is a ton of opportunities at the moment to upskill in, in this industry and become involved in the industry, find solutions to everyday problems that your industry is facing and connect with, you know, people like yourself, myself, who can introduce you to developers, who can develop and build an MVP to get investors on board and let's go out there and build it, right? That's important. The, there is no shortage of opportunities to build solutions for, for the future. Um, there's no shortage of developers that can build it for you, but we kind of need you to go out there and figure out the problems and come to people like us and say, 
I have, a, I think I have a solution to an everyday problem that my industry is facing and let's build a project around that. I think that's really, really important. The industry itself, I believe will thrive in the next 18 months. I think we will see legal frameworks will come through, um, institutional money come through. We will see a lot of, um, Dodge coins and meme coins and all these disappear by default. I believe we will see some amazing innovation occur with a combination of innovation, creativity, AI, and blockchain, and wrap it all up together. I think it's going to be a very, very cool ride over the next 18 months. Yeah, and I, I fully agree. I think I'm, you know, I'm seeing the collision of AI and, um, you know, Web3 and crypto at the moment. And I think, I think it's just your mind boggles in a good way. So I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. As we start to get clarity, um, regulation and those things colliding, I think, you know, it does come down to, to people to go, what are the problems? I mean, as you know, my, my day job, uh, as a strategist, as a planner is to come up with those questions. And I think, you know, the more I, I come up with those questions, the more I can now look at, you know, crypto as one element of solving those. So I think, I think you're absolutely right. Um, so not financial advice, but you heard it here first. If you're holding Dogecoin or Doggy Coin, as I called it last year, get rid of it, sell it. <laughs> yeah, I think in my in my day to day, you know, as a as a digital marketer, somebody who runs a digital marketing agency, who has businesses, local businesses, um, national businesses, and then web three businesses come through and say, this is my technology, this is what I built, look at how cool it is, everybody's going to buy it. You know, like, it's not exactly how it's going to work, right? I mean, we need to find a reason why we exist as an entity and then really articulate it very, very well what it is that we do and what kind of problems are we are we solving. And so, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I think that, you know, to, to, to wrap up, I think that was, you talked about the um, dot-com world. And as I say, I'm old enough, sadly, to have lived through it, but... I think it was about, you can look at it and there's almost entirely 100% parallels. And I think once people worked out what purpose of everything was and how to use it, absolutely, you know, we couldn't live now without e-commerce, right? I couldn't even live without Amazon, I guess I have to admit. So, you know, we, we're, in this, we're in this world now where that became true. And I think, you know, as, as you rightly pointed out, Ivan, that's where we're heading with crypto. But we need a bit of trust. We need a little bit of um, time for that to happen. So, well, I'm afraid we've run out of time today. So thank you to Ivan for joining us. Um, and that wraps up this episode of the WPP Metaverse and More Academy podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please give us a rating, share this with your friends, and follow us to know when future episodes are available and pound that like button. It's been fun and I hope to be with you again. Until then, thank you for listening and have a great day. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPP Metaverse and More Academy podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. If you'd like to learn more about WPP, the creative transformation company, find us at WPP.com or send us a note to newbusiness at WPP.com. That's it for today. We look forward to seeing you in the Metaverse.